The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. With a smattering of blonde hair on the cheeks, but not too much around the butthole. If I could just tell you how stunning his bottom is. And Michael Lucas. You have a high capacity to feel a personal attack. This is M. Salation. Also, full respect for you calling yourself a 40-year-old, not a 40-something. Well done, well done, well done. Let's hold on to that. <laughs> I'm younger than you, bitch. You are. You're in M. Salation. Oh, hello there and welcome to M. Salation. My name is M. Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian a maximalist power queen, a neurodiverse magic brain, and together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter and podcaster, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this show every week. And look, I'll be honest, I was concerned about today's show because we had to follow up a behemoth. As many of you well know, our most listened to episode of all time is entitled, Are You Lost, Baby Girl? And it's our review of the Netflix original 365 Days. 365 DNI. Uh, remember the mafia crime boss Massimo falls in love with Laura and kidnaps her and gives her a year to fall in love with him. It's the age-old romantic story of all time. Well, the sequel has come out. As many of you know, 365 DNI of this day and Michael and I watched it. And I didn't know if we'd be able to top that episode in our review, but I'll tell you we've just finished recording and I think it's better because this sequel was bonkers. It was so bonkers. Initially watching it, I was like, oh, God, is there anything in it? And then there is a plot twist. I'm going to let you know. There is spoilers everywhere. This is a spoiler palooza. But I don't think any of you are watching this movie for the incredible plot. Well, I'm telling you right now, you're not. There is no plot. It is a series of montages. It's Eurovision, the erotic musical. I just want you to know. So If you haven't watched the movie or you don't intend to watch the movie, you'll still enjoy this breakdown. I promise. Because the story stands on its own. It's, as I said, it's a love story for the ages. We've all walked away agreeing that it's a a piece of art at a moment in time and there's going to be a third. So I just wanted to allay any fears. What you're about to hear is our review of the second D&I film and I think you're going to feel just as you did after you heard our first review. And just when you thought we weren't giving you enough ridiculous content, there is a news story that a lot of you know, if you follow me on Instagram especially, has captured my heart, soul and mind. And I, of course, speak of one Malcolm McDonald, a.k.a. the man with the penis on his arm. I felt like Michael needed to know about Malcolm. (laughs) If you're in the dark as to this news story, a man got blood poisoning and whilst going to the toilet, his dick fell in the dunny, as you do. Uh, And then we learn the story of how he bravely, fearlessly grew a new dick on his forearm for many, many years. And there is a documentary coming out, a dickumentary. Thank you. Um, So obviously Michael had a lot of questions because he was coming in with not a lot of knowledge, not not the extreme knowledge base that I have around Malcolm. (laughs) 
So today you're getting, I mean, we got sweaty. We were killed over so much wheezing. It is the most wheezing laughter you're going to get. And we are going to hit an hour. Every week I say, oh, there's an hour of content. There is an hour of content here. We didn't even get to the Met Gala. We wanted to talk about how we were affronted that Kim Kardashian was allowed to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress. And not because she's Kim Kardashian. As you know, I have a newfound respect for the Kardashians. More than that dress is so iconic. It's the one that she sung Happy Birthday, Mr. President, in. She is such an iconic figure that it should be hanging in a museum. It should not be being worn to the Met Gala where Pete Davis can spill rum and coke on it. We just don't want anyone else to be touching it. We could, And it wasn't even on theme. And let me tell you, my dream job is being a door bitch at the Met Gala and sending away any celebrity that doesn't dress on theme. Like I imagine, I imagine, let's say, even turning, because Anna Wintour, who's the editor-in-chief of Vogue, never turns up in theme. And as you know, I'm very sensitive about themes because when Australian Idol had the disco theme, I was one of the few that stood, what's the point in having a theme if everyone just blatantly ignores it and shows up in however that, like Emma Stone came in a flapper dress, looked like she got from Spotlight. I don't know what was going on there. The theme was Gilded Age, which is a problematic theme uh, in itself because this happened late 1780s, early 1800s, Industrial Revolution happened in America and a lot of people, very few people got very rich but also there was a lot of exploitation happening. It was not a great time in America's history and so that idea of celebrating that kind of rampant capitalism when America's economy right now has got massive inflation and about to fall off a cliff, very problematic thing. That aside... People were turning up not in, okay, so think Bridgerton, think like Christine Baranski in The Golden Age, The Gilded, oh, my God, I just realised it's the same title, The Gilded Age, the show that Michael and I were obsessed with. Think that fashion. But there were people, Kylie Jenner turned up in a baseball cap with some baby's breath netting around it. And Cardi B, God love her, she came in some, a, a, a gold coin situation. There was just a lot of blatant, I want to stand at the door and go, sorry, uh, what's your name? I am David Beckham. And what do we call this, babe? This is, nah, go home. I want to be the door bitch at the Met Gala setting people away who do not respect the theme. I don't care who you are. I'll be feared. I'll be revered. Maybe I'll get a documentary. Oh, God, the man with the dick on his arm, mate. And uh, look, to round out, obviously, I don't know if you saw, you may have, my son Elio has picked up a few new words, a few, uh, look, you know, he just started rolling them out on the weekend. Have a listen. What the fucking hell? Yeah, and the way he says it, what the fucking hell? It's me. It's, I cannot, I cannot blame Scott. It's my complete intonation. It's exa- it is literally how I say it. And look, I've got a few angry people saying, oh, you've raised two other kids. You should know not to make a big deal about it. God, I'm really, someone did, someone literally said, I'm really disappointed that you were disciplining him when you know the best course of action is to ignore it. I'm like, fucking hell. Here's a little story about the internet. Here's a little lesson. If I were to post a video of Elio swearing and us laughing, which is what usually happens, can you imagine I saw that Cella was filming me and I knew if I didn't in some way try to stop him from swearing gently and lightly and in a funny way, uh, the amount of ats I would have got. So you don't understand. Everyone feels like they've got to run a commentary or give me their opinion. I'll tell you right now, I know I'm a 9 out of 10 parent, sometimes 10. I am very sketchy on lots of other things, but I am very confident in my ability to parent. I'm rock steady on that. And also you need to remember Elio is autistic. 
So Elio gets on a, a loop and he gets he got on a loop with fuck it and fucking hell. And if we ignore it, he just says it more. He just keeps saying it and saying it. We have to directly address to him, we don't say that and this is why. So, again, I don't ask for your parenting. If I ever want your parenting advice, dear internet, I will specifically request it. Otherwise, jog on and enjoy the profanities coming out of my pirate toddler's mouth, okay? So Elio's obviously going to have to feed you throughout the episode because there is a lot of what the fucking hell's to be had. And finally, obviously, ScoMo's had a run in with another curry. God. That's enough from me. In one week's time, I am opening my Live and Unleashed stand-up tour. I've been at rehearsals. It's very exciting. We are sold out at QPAC. Actually, as of this morning, we released our producer hold, so we hang on to about 20 tickets just in case we want to invite friends and family or media but I didn't. So there is now, I think, if you're listening on Thursday, if you rush, if it's not already sold out again, there are 20 tickets have been set out into the wild for the show at QPAC, but otherwise completely sold out. Then we head to Sydney, also sold out, Luna Park show, Big Top. I love a Big Top. I am a Big Top. And then we're finishing off in Adelaide. You got, you've started buying tickets, fantastic. There's still about 100 left at Thebiden, but I'd really like the T-shirt that my daughter's made to have three sold out signs on it so we can... You're telling the truth in all cities. So if you want to come along, frontiertouring.com forward slash mrussiano or get Chella to put links up. Uh, but I'm really so excited to be heading out on the road again. This show has, look, it's changed and evolved and it really, initially it was about me being unleashed out of lockdown and it's become about me being unleashed as a person and who I really am and all the things that have happened and Mars Singer and my diagnosis, and it has truly evolved with time. So you'll pretty much be getting a brand new show, not the one I did in Melbourne at the Bowl a year and a half ago. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get into it. Strap in. Strap on. There's a lot. I really wouldn't listen to this week's episode with little ears around you, truly, especially like we've seen what Elio's picked up. I don't want your kids walking around talking about their dick on their arm. There's to be no dick arms. I, I don't want that for you. <laughs> okay. Play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Well, Michael Lucas, we have so much to get through. Headlines, man grew a dick on his arm. ScoMo had some raw curry. 365 D&I, the sequel review. And also, you are at zero emails. <laughs> He's bragged about it. He sent me a message. How long since you've had what? Explain. So there is nothing in your inbox. That's right. There's nothing sitting there unread or unopened or not even uh, not responded to. What? How have you achieved? I mean, I sent you a picture of my inbox. Yeah. Before you got it. I mean, you wouldn't have assumed that I would ever be at zero, right? Like that's a thing that you wouldn't, that's not in my brand in your mind. No, I, I must admit I flinched when I saw how many thousands of unread, <laughs> unopened emails that yeah. you had. The exact amount is uh, 3,155 emails in my inbox not attended to. I don't like wow. it. I don't like emails. Do- nah. I just Isn't figure- it just like feeling like you're in free fall or something no. like that with that many? Wow. Oh, I'm past free fall. Oh, no, I've landed in soft, cushy denial. <laughs> and I feel like if it's super important, I'll just keep trying. Like part of me just wants to bomb the whole thing. Yeah. Like start a new account. It's like going into witness protection but for email. 
Yeah. So just just leave that for dust, for mm-hmm. dead, and start mm-hmm. again. And mm-hmm. just assume what's gone is gone. Mm. It's in the past. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But you you have got there and I look, I don't know First how. time since 1994, wow. since I first got my first Hotmail account. Okay. Wow. Has this been a secret goal? It has. Okay. Because we're about to go back into production on Newsreader and when you're in it, you get like about 100 emails a day. Mm. And the only way to survive is if you answer right away and wow. just keep trying to work oh, back. No. To, and so I just needed to clear the decks. Hang on. Are you saying you answer emails as soon as you get them? As soon as I can. There's, it's Are the you, only way to survive what? when no. you're in production like that. No, that is that is <laughs> not true. The way that you deal with emails, that you see the email come in, yeah. you actively avoid it for months. You feel guilty <laughs> about it. You don't sleep. Yeah. You try to move it around. Mm. You search for it to make sure it's still there. Mm. And then maybe you'll send a little text going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I missed this. Yeah. <laughs> that is how we deal with emails in my world. Well, look, that was my world and that's why I've adopted this. But I also use folders a lot as well. Right. I deal with the email, I put it in the folder. Deal with it, put it in the folder. Deal with it, put it in the folder. Right, okay. So it's like a, it's it's a waterfall and you just need to pivot things <laughs> as they come. It's basically, you know what it reminds me of? Tetris. It's exactly like a game of Tetris with emails coming in and I just needed to start this project with like that clear te- Tetris Wow, I, t- I treat it like coming. Battleship. Just constantly guessing and moving around and hoping to avoid being shot at. <laughs> Look, that which Nintendo 1980s game is the correct metaphor no, for our lives? Remember Battleship? You would sit opposite each oh, other. Oh, that's right. With little right. screens. Battleship arm. And yep. you would set up where your ships go mm-hmm. and someone would call out A6. And mm. you'd look down and say, hit. Yep. I mean... This was relying on us telling the truth. Yeah. You know, sometimes you would just lie about where your battleship was and just discreetly move it if they hit it. I think we've just revealed ourselves. <laughs> Hang on, how does this relate to emails? What are you doing? I'm, like, just avoiding, hoping I don't get hit. And Sometimes people get me in a good mood if I've had a oh, coffee and I'll I open it up it. and respond and sometimes I'll just be like, nah, missed, not here. <laughs> Look, we do need to touch. We're getting close to the election. We're finally, we're in May. It's, we're in the month of the election. Less than three weeks to go. And the candidates are really ramping it up. Mm. Um, ScoMo has had another curry-related incident. Now, when this happened, I can't tell you how many emsolators contacted us. Mm. Because obviously the initial incident... Take me to the April sun in Cuba. When he was with Carl Stefanovic. Mm, and for we, 60 minutes, yes. yeah, prior to the campaign. Yes. Mm. And we questioned the serving of, what was it? Well, Jenny had made margaritas to go with the curry. <laughs> and so, and I think we should also say that Scott Morrison is a prime minister, that more than most prime ministers, his digestive systems has have been questioned in Australian folklore. You have to tell the tale, the famous Engadine Marcus yeah. tale. There is an infamous online rumour mm that ScoMo shat his pants in Engadine Maccas back in the, I think it was back in the early 2000s or sometime like that. Mm. And and it has got such traction that he himself cracks jokes about it. It's folklore, though. No, it hasn't been confirmed. It's a very specific rumour, though. Mm. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> those are the kind of things. I mean, to be honest, I would normally, 
um, find it relatable in a sense. I mean, everyone loves a good shooting themselves oh, story. It's, we bond around campfires. Absolutely. I think it was it also on like a, a rugby grand final oh, day wow, or something even like more that. Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Was there a yeah. kangaroo riding a great white shark out the front wearing an akebra? <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> so he's had he's had that moment, and then he's cooked what he's saying is a chicken korma. Now mm. ScoMo's trying to court the Southeast Asian vote very clearly, mm. and he is thinking in his mind, this is how basic, I'll just cook, I'll just cook some fucking curry and mm. they will probably vote for me. Mm. I feel like that is as complicated as his election strategy mm. is at this mm-hmm. point. So he's put up a picture of his chicken korma and everyone straight away jumps on the fact it is fucking raw. It's pink. <laughs> he has said it's the sheen of the chicken skin or whatever. It is not. That is pink. That is flat out raw chicken. Absolutely. And he's come out and defended his curry. So... Um, he said that the, the caption under the initial picture was, nice to have a night at home, mm. so curry it is. Sri Lankan tamarind eggplant and okra curry and a classic chicken korma. Strong curry, strong economy, stronger future. Wow. So he's linked <laughs> liberals' policies to this languid, salmonella-ridden, raw chicken korma. I think we need to take a moment and remember the fact that he was at one point responsible for Australian tourism campaigns. Like, our national tourism industry, one of our biggest, was in the hands of this man who posted a raw chicken curry and tried to somehow link it to a stronger economy. How? What? And can you imagine him going, Jenny, I've bloody got it. Quick, take a picture of the korma. Quick. Like, I reckon he was so pumped about his, his bloody caption, he forgot to cook the thing. But when grilled on it, <laughs> he said it was in the pan for a good 45 minutes. I can tell you because I had it there in myself. He said people went back for seconds. <laughs> Have we heard from these people recently? Has anyone checked in the local ER departments? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's what's been going on in election land. I'm glad that people were asking the probing questions. Yeah, Elbow's back out of the trail. They had their big launch. Mm-hmm. His first point of call on Friday was to take his dog for a walk. Unfortunately, the dog did his shit in front of the cameras and Elbow was forced to bend down in his white jeans. He's doing a lot of Bob Hawke dressing. Oh, yeah. Doing some, um, you know, classic shiny private school boy Rossi boots. Do you reckon it will inevitably lead to him coming out with his new girlfriend in the Terry Telling white <laughs> robes, which famously Bob Hawke did with Blanche? <laughs> it was post-retirement, but I think he wow. could fast-track it. Totally. Mm. So he's out and about and, um, you know, Scamay's cooking curries, so... <laughs> it's all on. Is anyone still paying attention to any of the policies? Probably not. I don't know, but what I am have been paying attention to and a news story that has captured my heart is a lot of people who follow me on Instagram know that I've really become attached to a man named Malcolm McDonald who's no longer attached to his penis. Uh, The headline that caught my eye was, I've had a penis on my arm for six years, now I finally feel like a re-man. Subscribe! Yes, please! (laughs) Show me more! Right-click, right-click, right-click. And then I saw it was a two-minute read. I'm like, how come that? How can this, how can they possibly unpack? There is so much to explain. <laughs> and then I saw written by Rob Pattinson. You can outrun me. Yeah. What? Yeah. Edward Cullen. Batman. Just give the guy the Pulitzer <laughs> now. This is important journalism. How did you feel when your pe- penis fell off? Okay, this is, this is the kind of article, this is the kind of investigative work that's going to change the world. <laughs> A British dad was left with a replacement penis 
attached to his arm for six years after his original appendage fell off in the toilet. It just fucking fell off in his hand. Dick in Dunny. Can you give us any more detail on that? Not really, because I'm not a doctor. Right. And the, and the article didn't really go into depth, because remember, it's a two-minute read. But from what I can gather, it was some kind of sepsis blood poisoning issue, and okay. it just stopped getting oxygen. No black, no blood supply, no nothing. And off it fell. Oh. Mm. I don't know if it was like a, a moment where he was taking a whiz, and then all of a sudden it was just oh, in his hand. Jesus. They didn't really go into detail. You would like to think that there would be a bit of a progress towards this, that it wouldn't be yeah. an instant drop-off. Like, yeah. surely there were signs. If it was denied air and blood flow yeah. for that long, you yeah. would think. I feel like, you know, sometimes when you know you're getting a cold, you get a bit of a headache and a tickle in the throat. Mm. Surely there was maybe, I don't know, maybe there was a little, it was a bit red. I don't know. Like, were there some warning signs? This man's not in touch with his personal health, let me tell you right now. No. And then somehow they've decided, and this feels like extreme, Dick mm. drops off. Then they grow one on his arm. Is there not some other way? But let's continue. <laughs> a dad has finally had his new penis fitted in its rightful place after it spent six years attached to his arm. This, you know what, though? It reminds me of those famous images from the 90s of when they grew the ear on the back of it's the... It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. The mouse. Exactly. It's the ear on the back of the mouse. Could have been worse. Dick, I mean... They should have put it on his back. They did try it initially on the inside of his thigh, but, but that dick died. But then lying in bed at night? You don't want a penis. We've all gone to sleep with a penis against our back, let's face it. Hi, gay. <laughs> Maybe a few months for you. <laughs> but um, but also, it could be worse. I mean, at least it wasn't his forehead. Yeah, well, that, that's the only worst spot, is the forehead. Yeah. Well, they initially went with inner thigh. And he's in the UK, so it's not like short sleeves are going to happen very often, thank God. Well... There were some incidents as you bring that up, right? Oh. So it's a blood infection he had. Now, a doctor built him a new six-inch member and it was meant to be attached in 2015, but due to lack of oxygen in his blood, didn't work. Mm. So they grafted it to his arm. And then bloody COVID, bloody Rona gets in the way. So, <gasps> so you can't get the dick. It's not. Can you believe that getting a dick implanted from your arm to your crotch is not considered Essential. critical surgery? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he, they just immediately settled on the six inches or whether he initially asked for more. Well, I, I feel like I probably would have asked for more. Like, go for broke. Yeah, well, if you're going to gonna, build from scratch. Go, have a career as a porn star. I mean, exactly. <laughs> if I'm building my boobs from scratch, do you think I'm getting these fucking saggy sacks that look like sports socks with golf ball T-Rex tits? No. <laughs> if someone is building me boobs from scratch that I've got to then maybe grow on my back, I am getting fucking primo 19-year-old perky tits. Oh, 100%. And I went and looked for the uncensored images of arm dick, mm. and it's quite meaty. Oh, it is? Definitely okay. Definitely gone for some girth. Okay. Yeah. So the COVID pandemic meant that the $89,000 NHS-funded appendage... I think bargain, to be honest. <laughs> If I'd lost a penis and someone said you can have a new one... For 90 cost, grand? Yeah. He can I, pay. The government's well, paying. Well, exactly. And the tax pays. The I'm British not a tax British taxpayer, <laughs> but if I was, I would think fair call. Now, it's funny you should say, you know, how does he contain the arm? An elderly lady once asked him to get an item from the top shelf oh, of a supermarket, but the dick came loose and swung near her head. <laughs> You're just minding your business. You see a man who can get a can of beans down and all of a sudden you've been turkey slapped by his arm. <laughs> Would you identify it as a penis, though, or would you perceive it as some sort of stray finger? Totally looks like a dick. There's no mistaking it. It is a full-blown cock. Right. On his arm. Right. Just there. Like, imagine the skin. It's a hot dog, 
and the skin of his arm is the bun and the mm. frankfurter is sitting in between skin like mm-hmm. a big old dong. Uh, is there, are there testicles there? No. No, okay, no. just the shaft. Do you wonder where, yeah, I've just, it, it, we're just, we're in a shaft situation here, just shaft. So uh, Maybe the balls were extra, maybe they couldn't afford it. Or maybe they didn't drop off in the first place. Perhaps. God, you're right, how did this squash into two minutes? Well, guess what, there's a documentary, thank God, the man with the penis on his arm thank debuting God. today. Oh, we all know what you'll be watching. My favourite thing, though, it wasn't all doom and gloom because Malcolm is a keen darts player. And he also... <laughs> oh, Jesus, again. He learned how to tuck his arrows under the dick. He's fucking Katniss Everpeen. Thank you. Genius. Well done, well done. Beautiful pun. And may the odds be ever in your favour. Thank you so much. I don't know that you'd want darts around that appendage, but... Yeah. Like, I, I wonder whether his his dart game has suffered oh. since it's been put in its rightful place. Perhaps. Perhaps that was, like, the secret weapon. Although I suppose he could still tuck the darts down there. I sure. mean, it would just... There's no reason. Oh, I don't know. He's paid a lot of money for that. Not anything sharp. Once it's in, once it's in situ, you want to just let it do its thing. But, look, he has... <laughs> you don't want to take any risks nah. with a penis that's nah. come off once. The $90,000 penis. <laughs> that's what they should have called the doco. I just feel like the ni- the $90,000 dickumentary, mm, you know, mm. something like that, because I just feel like the title's let it down. I mean, I do love a title that says what it is, mm, the man mm. with the penis on the arm. You're not left wondering. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm, I mean, subscribe, click, I'm watching that doco. <laughs> can I somehow get it put into my eyelids so I can watch it at all times? <laughs> I mean, I just found out that documentary has dropped and you best believe... I have so much work to do. I'm opening a stand-up show in a week. I have to rewrite a script. You know what I'm doing today? I'm meeting with my accountant. Something tells I'm me it's going to pay doc- off. <laughs> it's going to pay off, I think. So anyway, we end with Malcolm saying, look, my luck in life hasn't been too good so far, but it could only go on for so long. Can you imagine six years of your life with a penis swinging on your arm? <laughs> it's been a nightmare, but it's gone now, the little bugger. Oh, <laughs> I like him. <laughs> He's a little battler. All right, well, we're going to go away and we're going to come back because Michael and I have both attempted to watch the DNI sequel. Are you lost, baby girl? We have. And we have many, many, many thoughts. That's next. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Okay, Michael Lucas, as we know, the Emsolation fandom enjoy the original Netflix movie, 365 DNI. Mm-hmm. And our episode on it is our most listened to famously. So, of course, when it was announced there was a sequel mm. and it was dropping, mm-hmm. we got a lot of people saying, M, Michael, please, yeah. you must watch it. And so we did. You didn't get all the way through. I, could, I know. What a failure. I mean, you you painted the stakes beautifully there. There was a lot riding on it. Mm-hmm. I tried. Please know that I tried. Mm-hmm. I get it. I okay. also had a sinking feeling... I, it's, I don't think it's a spoiler to say we begin at, on the wedding day. Yeah, it's and not what, a spoiler. It's no. Not. And by the way, this is going to be filled with spoilers. If you actually care about the storyline, you shouldn't. Um, maybe <clears throat> skip forward, but don't. It's, listen to this, so many spoilers, but it'll make the film more enjoyable that you know that this ridiculousness is coming or you might give up, as Michael did, because Michael gave up before we got to the ultimate plot twist. The ultimate plot yeah, twist. Yeah. yeah, well, basically I was so sated after the wedding night and the honeymoon yeah. that uh, so I just let's felt go like back. I had about eight years of content already. Let's go back. So remember that in the last film, um, Laura mm-hmm. finds out that she's pregnant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he does not know, though. Doesn't know, no. So she's with old mate Olga. You're sick people, you know that. Who I still don't trust, her Polish mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. Not because she's Polish, they're both Polish. Um, but everyone else is Italian. 
So um, they're there and Laura's like, I'll help you raise the baby, whatever, you know, it's cool. They're all like, and then Massimo proposes and then the last thing we see is Laura is in a car on the way to wedding dress fittings and Massimo and her are on the phone and she's like, I have something to tell you at dinner. She wants to tell him about the pregnancy. Mm. And then we see one of Massimo's henchmen furiously trying to get to Massimo to let him know that Laura is in danger. And then we see Laura go into a tunnel. Mm. And this is how the other movie ends. And then we see the henchmen arrive and all we can hear is Massimo going... Laura. 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 And then what's happened? Henchman turns up. Massimo's lost connection with Laura. Henchman's shaking his head. Massimo drops to his knees, teary-eyed. Oh, my God, she's probably dead. Finn. Yeah. End of film. What a cliffhanger. So we pick up in the second movie straight away. It's their wedding day. Yeah. So, yeah, we know she survived the tunnel. Can you confirm she's also blonde? Yeah. Did she end the first movie yes. blonde? Yes, she, she was did. blonde. Okay, yeah, she had to right, change okay. her identity, okay. remember? Yeah, of yeah. course, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How could I forget? Yeah, so she's still blonde. Now, we open with what sounds like Aldi Billie Eilish. There was a lot of Aldi Europop in this. This is what I want to talk about because this is... This is a new genre of music. I don't know, because you don't watch as many shit reality TV shows as I do. <laughs> it felt like a reality yeah. TV show. So there's this new genre of music that basically it's written with super niche lyrics to enable the narrative of the storyline to be moved along via soaring pop rock Eurovision ballads. That's right. So, like, I watched a show called Selling Sunset and if Christina walks out of a bad meeting with Brett, you'll hear this song will come up straight away. I'm not going to back down even though we had a fight. I am a boss bitch, queen of hustle in the night. So, like, every time something happens, there's a pop song ready to go. And it's like, oh, my God, that that's amazing that there was a song with the mm. exact storyline that's just happened. Turns out it's a whole fucking thing. Totally. They and do not go with a light touch with the lyrics. No, 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 they do not. I love being in you and feeling your sweat. Like, there's so many of these songs in there. And it is, to be honest, I wouldn't mind cracking that market because I reckon I could write I, these. Uh, yeah, don't take it the wrong way, but I think you could too. <laughs> I feel it's and the perform thing. them with real oh, camp conviction. 100%. So we're, we're there, we're at the wedding. Now, Massimo arrives and mm. she's in her bridal gown. Still getting ready. And not supposed to see the bride. No, and in what could be my most favourite opening line of a film ever, mm. we get... You shouldn't be here. Oh, I don't have aunties. I'm not wearing panties is my new Are You Lost Baby Girl? <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be here. I'm going to say that to you every time I see you. <laughs> Michael arrives on the podcast, you shouldn't be here. I'm not wearing panties. <laughs> don't know that it's going to quite land in the same way. I don't think it'll produce the same reaction, that's for sure. No. So she's not pregnant anymore either. They kind of say that something happened in the tunnel. She's not mm, pregnant. We well, don't mm. know. Don't know. I um, assume some sort of like car accident or something, something like that. Something, yeah. She lost the baby. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Mm. And Olga is there, thank God. She's back. And she, well, she walks in. with As they're having sex. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to really thank production. They only made us wait about 90 seconds till we got the first sex scene. That's true. It was a very much a fully clothed, clothed sex scene. Yeah, dry even humping. his pants were up. Correct. Like I had no. More I don't action. think they were dry humping. Do you reckon? But how? I was looking at the angle of his pants. How's he getting his peen out if the pants are so high? I don't think that troubles them. <laughs> I think, I think you're definitely supposed to. But on your wedding day, you don't want post session flow. You don't want that. I think you don't that want this. A, like she's in a beautiful chiffon gown. If that got wet, you would see. I think in the world of three six five DNI, flow is not an issue. What do you mean? His semen just stays there. Somehow. 
Because they're also beautiful. I think they don't even have to worry. Because you, you never see in those films what really happens in real life. You have sex with someone, and if they're not wearing a condom, like what happens is you either walk to the bathroom with your mm. knees squished together like a penguin or mm. you're grabbing for the tissues. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's not <laughs> sexy enough. Would have been a beautiful way for her to come down the aisle. <laughs> Just with her knees pushed together so she doesn't get any post-session flow. Would have been the equivalent of little rose petals. To Ave scattered. Maria. <laughs> By the way, all the music budget went on Ave Maria. How many films have had Ave Maria in it in the last year? I'm pretty sure Ave Maria is out of copyright now. I don't think that much budget went to it. Oh, is that why? I just thought all the money went to Ave Maria and they had to write the rest. But I just think that's stunning. Got a stunning. That's what the the original composer of Ave Maria would have hoped for. (laughs) (laughs) So Olga turns up with some undies for her, thank God. But they're mesh white ones, which aren't going to catch the post-session flow. Mesh. See-through. <laughs> and, and not practical. Like, don't bother. No one's wearing white mesh undies and taking them off at the end of the day and going, I don't need a wash. <laughs> I mean, a multitude of sins. Oh, God. So, <laughs> I really... I really... You, look, oh. just don't turn to 365 DNI for vaginal integrity, all oh, right? Well, we get to get to some vaginal integrity in the fucking golf scene. Oh, Hang no, on wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. No, we can't. Stop, stop. They get married. Go, yeah, yeah. So, we've got the wedding night first. I no, need no, to stop No, no, we've got to talk about the... We cannot do an OK stop at the wedding night yet. We've got to do an OK stop at the wedding. Okay. I just want to point out she's there walking down the aisle mm-hmm. and her father hands her over happily to the man who kidnapped her, Mm. to her abductor. (laughs) And all the friends and family are cool. Everyone's cool with their origin story. But, like, imagine they're all sitting around telling the grandkids, how did you guys meet? Well, (laughs) Nunu saw Nunu one night (laughs) and thought, she looks abductable. Like, that's no... I think we were supposed to believe that he had experienced a redemption. Right. And that we were able to forgive him. But can you imagine turning up to your mate's wedding going, oh, how'd they meet? Because <laughs> you don't know. You haven't seen him in 10 years. The best man's yeah. speech. <laughs> and when Massimo kidnapped Laura, they knew <laughs> that one day she'd be waddling down the aisle avoiding cum dripping from her knee to Ave Maria on the clifftop in Sicily. <laughs> It's not what the bedrock of all good found of relationships should be. No red flags there. No. I wish they had included you in some sort of like bridesmaid. No, I want you in it. Run, Laura! What the fuck are you doing, mate? Red flag! Let's just say Massimo's cousin has had a few proseccos and she's got something she wants to say at the wedding reception. Okay, so the wedding goes by. Cool, cool. Mm. Now we get to your favourite part, the first part that you text me about. So on your wedding night. Mm. (laughs) It was remarkably similar to my own wedding night. (laughs) She takes control. Yeah, and you would think perhaps as man and wife, your first night... (laughs) You would maybe have sex with the, your husband. Maybe. But no. I don't think that's using it enough imagination. <laughs> no, she was very firm about what she wanted and she used sort of like it was... Garters, like, her garters. Her garters. Yep. And she tied him to the chair, fully clothed. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and she had this amazing headband on that never budged too. Like it was kind of stuck to the side of her head. I respected that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to respect she kept in this her crown whole on. sequence. Yeah, yeah. And then she disrobed. Yes. Except for the headband, of course. Yes, left the headband on. Yeah. yeah. And then pulled out... A really impressive dildo. Yeah, vibrator. Vibrator, sorry. Vibrator, vibrator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bunny ears. Had a clit tickler and yeah. a penetration. Totally. Bit. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a Speno one. They're Speno. Yeah, right. So she didn't scrimp. I'm a, I'm a bit sad I wasn't white to match the bridal outfit. <laughs> yeah, it was a wedding <laughs> night after all. <laughs> Just married should have been like etched along the side of the... <laughs> 
<laughs> Till death do us part. <laughs> or from this moment. From this moment. I don't have aunties. <laughs> and then, yeah, so then she proceeds to use said vibrator in quite... And, and can I just say, they... I mean, again, the editing pinpoint. Mm. But tell you what, like, mm. if the, if she wasn't really using that thing, they were getting pretty close. Now, just as someone who has used a vibrator before, people mm. may recall I had an issue with the vibrator choreography in the first film because mm-hmm. that's not how vibrate... It's, you don't... You do not put a vibrator on and writhe around and sexily touch your hair <laughs> and groan and moan and point your toes and everything looks amazing. Most women, when they use a vibrator, are terrified of being caught by their children or someone may come in at any moment. It's a very private, quick thing that happens and you're probably fully clothed or under a doona. Like, it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Maybe it's, under a weighted blanket. Yeah, yeah. it's not some stuff. Again, unrealistic vibrator expectations. <laughs> like, I don't want my children watching this movie thinking that's what vibrators are are going to be like because in reality they're not, all right? I want you to pitch I should be an there. anatomically correct <laughs> remake of this film. What's the equivalent of an intimacy coach for vibrators? Whatever that is. <laughs> it's a pretty niche skill. <laughs> Although something tells me they'll need it on parts three, four and five. Yeah. She uh, hits spectacular climax, oh, of course, yeah. of course. And, and he's then just there's a moment, there. it's hot, it's hot. Oh, come on. Okay, so this is the bit where she... And then she tells him... I want you to fuck me the way you like. And you'll remember that he's tied to the chair with the garters and in one incredibly masculine thing, he tears his arms (laughs) and he just breaks through and then ravages her. But they cut away because they don't want to show you him naked yet. Oh, no, we can't do that. We're only five minutes in. We think, us yet. (laughs) Don't worry, we do. Because Netflix know the algorithms. Netflix is one step away. When you watch porn, like, say, on a Pornhub, it lets you know exactly where the interesting points of interest are. You know, like on YouTube... You can see the points of interest. Netflix are one movie away from the points of interest. Well, their share prices have crashed. Oh, so they're they, looking for big. They know. Yeah. It's coming. I saw someone said Netflix are investing in cock stock. Well, Not my joke. Them. I stole it from someone else. I don't know who. I read it somewhere and giggled. So Massimo wakes up the next morning, right? She's gone. Lara's not there. And then we look over and she's standing there and she's not blonde anymore. She's brunette. And I just want to say at this point I read it as a completely different character because I thought she looked so different. Because I think when she's blonde she looks a bit Sienna Miller and when she's brunette she looks a bit posh spice. Yes. And I just read, oh, who's this chick? Her hair was also much longer as a brunette. Somehow it grew. Yeah. And so she's standing there and says this. How do I look like? <laughs> cool, yeah. First of all, unrealistic timeline because I've done that transformation. I've done brown to blonde. Yeah. And you can't just wax some brown on top of blonde and think can't things you? Like, No. It's easier than the reverse though, isn't no, it? No, well, yes, but you have to fill the blonde with a red. You, you need a red fill before the brown, because if you're putting brown on blonde, you're going green, Michael. And there's no hair house warehouse on that deserted island. So I call bullshit on the hair transformation. They are on a remote luxury island. Where's she getting her nice and easy hair dye? Remember Elaine from Seinfeld was the face of that hair dye? You know, you'd look great as a blonde. Do you remember no, Julie Louis-Dreyfus? Yeah, Julie Louis-Dreyfus oh. was the face of this hair dye, nice wow. and easy. Anyway, she's not getting nice and easy from the local 7-Eleven because they're on a fucking island. But you need some filler on top of the peroxide before you do the brown tint. <laughs> Your scientifically correct remake will actually just, the, ours two and three will just be her getting the toner yes! out. you got to let that shit sit. Yeah. She would have been gone for three or four hours. Mm. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then he responds with... Like the first time, baby. Oh, you oh, mean... You want to go back there, you? Do mean you mean the scene of the crime, mate? I also 
I just love that basically the premise of this movie is sometimes it can be hard to be married to a mafia man. And it's like... No who, one told her that. Who could have foreseen that getting married she to the person busy. that trapped and imprisoned oh, you... So annoying. Could so, run into trouble. Just pay me some attention. Yeah. We'll get to that. But first we have oh, the honeymoon montage. What do they spend the f- so many montages? By the way, this could just be an, a music video clip. Yeah, I think technically it is. Oh, Eurovision, the erotic musical. Like, that's pretty much what it is. (laughs) But their first activity was? Golfing. Oh, my God, golfing. And this was at the point where I started to lose my momentum because I just didn't think that the movie was going to get any better than this. So I had to pause. I need you to know. Me too. I had to pause and gather myself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what was going to happen, but... Basically, it's to me it was unclear whether they're playing against each other or whether she's a caddy. I sort of think maybe she was a caddy. I think. She had a very she had a mini skirt yes. sort of thing on. No Nickies. No. I'm not wearing panties. <laughs> <laughs> and and they were approaching the putting green mm. and he had sort of one more shot to go. She's sort of sauntering around provocatively. First of all, uses the flagpole. That's right. And I thought, okay, what are we doing here? Because she goes behind the flagpole and she starts sort of stroking and I thought, is she going to, like, penetrate herself with? Possibly. Yeah. She uh, does anything what, could have happened, she, but no. She does a slut drop, as we used to call it back That's in right. the nineties. Removes the flagpole. Indeed. Which was an electrifying moment where I thought, what's happening? What's but happening? she actually just puts it aside. Because I didn't predict what was going to happen. Nor did I. And, and I can't, in it's retrospect. It's nice to know it can surprise us still. That's right. And and so obvious. And I wanted to be genius. in the writer's room. Totally. <laughs> Who came up with this idea? That's Get right. them on the newsreader. Pay them more. <laughs> And basically, mm. she goes spread-eagled over the whole mm. position. Now, at this point, I wonder about the rules of golf. Because <laughs> essentially offering another hole. That's true. And in golf, you want to take as few <laughs> shots as possible. That's so right. So she's not giving a shit about Massimo's handicap. It's all in the head. Yeah, it's all in the head. Well, we didn't get it. No, exactly. And what does it mean in terms of the par? And I don't know. It, and what if the ball gets stuck? Well, if you hit it, it was, hard a, enough. It was a strong risk. <laughs> he's I was a big bloke. Well, his accuracy needed to be pretty dead on. I mean, thank God it was Massimo. <laughs> that's all I can say because the scene could have gone either way. But anyway, yeah, one would presume she was Nicholas. I mean, she always is. No, no, and, I'm not wearing panties. And then, yeah, positioned over it, and then he parts, and wouldn't you know it, it's a hole in one. Well, not a hole in one because it? it's already on the putting green. But yeah. it, which it, hole? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Just but as the car went into the tunnel, the ball too. She did. The, the visual symbolism, amazingly. And she did appear to get a sexual response from... The ball must have hit Vag. Ball on clit. I think She it did hit, rise. I think it hit the clit, then went down in. Oh, does that count? It was count? a perfect tap. Oh, are you allowed to do that? <laughs> does that? Is that another... Is that like a mini golf where you, like, hit off the side of a cat's ear? I, I think that there's a market for X-rated mini golf that has only just been tapped. And full credit to the first gay men that, that do their own version of this because it, it... I can't wait. It, for me, it was the peak. And after this, I started to wilt yeah, and started to did. fast forward. Don't worry. You forged on. stuck with well it. Done. So also while this is happening, there's a little side relationship with Olga and one of Massimo's mafia buddies, like the lesser versions of the leads. But you you thought that this was clearly oh, positioned yeah. well, to I'll, give us the... Yeah, because after the honeymoon, Massimo and Laura start having problems. He's working too much, doing mafia stuff. She's bored and stuck at home. It's an age-old story, <laughs> you know? So we need some new, fresh, burgeoning, like, love to get our end off going. We need to be able to see another relationship starting because we don't want to be reminded of how we all feel sometimes in our own 
relationships, mm-hmm. heterosexual ones we're talking about. So, um, yeah, we've got the side relationship happening. Then, of course, Laura's getting pissy. Why are you always at the work? Why are you always working, mm. working, working? And then we get shopping montage, shopping montage, mm. shopping montage. And then she, like, becomes a designer briefly. I don't know. Anyway, there's also now a gardener, Nacho. Mm. He's taken quite a liking to her. Gardener, fucking hot. Like, hot, yeah. I know, because I have to say, the side romance dude, perfectly Nacho. appealing looking dude, yeah. not nearly as hot as, as Massimo, though. But a gardener. And a gardener too. Like, oh, oh, no, you, no, mean, oh you mean side? No, yeah, his August, sidekick. Yeah, August, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he's not. He's nice. like six inches shorter he looks and like, no, fine. But... Um, Chachi from Happy Days. He, he did a bit. Yeah. I thought it was brave. Scott Bayo. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. go back to back sex scenes between it's, you and the Massimo guy. It's like, like, like when Beyonce never has hotter backing dancers than her. That's right. Yeah, like Massimo mm. couldn't have. But now, we should also say they did, and I did stop fast forwarding for this, they did have sort of a sex toys montage, which frankly I thought was yeah. lacking the imagination that they brought to the golfing green. <laughs> Where was the golfing rider in that scene? Exactly. It was just a couple of like ordinary oh. toys. It was like even we've seen Fifty it. Shades has done much better. Oh, we've seen it. Mm. So we've got nachos come in because obviously we need 10 Tension between Massimo Laura and like because we don't want to get bored. Love triangle. Yeah. Anyway, so they go to a dinner and they're fighting a lot. They're at the table. She's in this amazing black gown, hair slicked back, and Massimo's got to go do mafia type business Mm. at this very fancy Mm. luxury dinner, whatever the thing was. I really was phasing in and out. I apologize. And anyway, she's like, "You're always working. You're always working. You ignore me. I may as well not be married." Like full. Fucking shit. And then he goes off to have his meeting and then she sees what she thinks is him walking up the stairs with a mystery woman. And she's like, you fucking what? Oh, I did see this yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. She's like, what? So she gets up and she follows them and then she comes around the corner and she sees Massimo yeah. very aggressively Rear having... ending someone, yeah. Completely. Mm. And she's like, well, I mean, she did what we all would do. She disappears without explanation with the hot gardener. Full credit to the woman who was being, being rear-ended. rear-ended. Because tell you what, if someone walked in on me on that position, I don't think I'd do the sassy laugh and look that she did. I think I'd she, have... yeah, she was very... <laughs> anyway, so Laura just, instead of staying, why would you stay and confront Massimo? Why would you clear the whole mess up in one moment? No, you will disappear without a trace with the hot mm. gardener. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we rock up. Hot Gardner takes her to his million-dollar huge Clifftoff mansion. We're like, fuck, Jim's mowing's not paying for this. What is going on? Guys, you won't believe it. Turns out Nacho, son of a mafia boss also. <laughs> I could not have seen it coming. She's going to type. Yeah, I mean, wow. Course. Who could blame her? <laughs> and this one didn't imprison her. Nah. She's there of her this own will. helped her. That's right. If anything. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> she's with him and we get a bit of a montage at his place. They have hot sex, but it's just a dream. They so do. So she never officially cheats on Marcy. No, but you can tell if, if, if the dream is um, indicative of his yeah. sexual performance. He's probably a more sensitive lover than sensitive. Massimo, less thrusty. Yes. Also, did you find this time Massimo was really into the, like, aggressive licks? Yes, so much like, licks. And often often in time with the thrusts. Yeah. So he's thrusting hard. And the hard, soaring pop song going. Fully three, tongue out, yeah. lick, and lick the full I'm gonna length of the lick neck. You, I'm going to lick you up and down. <laughs> That's what was happening. So impressive. So but much it was Sort of, it was so rapid. I felt like we were almost in like dog territory of, or, or just your cat licking milk. Yeah, well, like a Not serial killer. Though. Remember, like when Hannibal Lecter was like, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. 
It was a bit like that. A bit Hannibal. Mm. If I'm going to be licked, if I have to choose my like method of licking, I don't want it to be... No, <laughs> slower. Yeah, slower. Softer. Slower, no, But slower. the gardener, ah, attentive. Totally got it. But in, it was a dream, dream sequence. In dream. But yep. thank God they filmed it in beautiful, stunning, you know, like high def. That's right. I'm glad we got the dream. I'm glad it wasn't all misty like a dream. Like, no. I'm glad I got it. But she never officially cheated on Massimo. No. Very important to note. No. Anyway, Massimo's like, where is Laura? So he does like, of course, he meets up with his ex-wife because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And, oh, my God, guys, you're not going to believe this. The ex-wife is behind this whole thing. Massimo made a huge mistake by underestimating the anger of the abandoned woman. And we finally find out, we figure out, that she has plotted to fuck his marriage up with his evil twin, Adriano. What? What? What the fuck? (laughs) Evil twin? (laughs) What? So, evil twin Adriano. I am Adriano Torricelli. The twin brother was so unlucky because he was born ten minutes later. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. So those 10 minutes, because he was the last twin, he didn't inherit the mafia empire. Yeah, Massimo came first as the identical twin. Oh, my God. And got the entire everything. Wow. And because he was 10 minutes late. Oh, my God. He fucking ruined his life. Oh. Now, if Game you think Massimo's acting is hectic, you should see Massimo, the actor, Michele, playing evil Massimo. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, you've almost got me on the brink of I may keep going. You please do. Rate. Because when you talk about licking, he licks when he talks. To differentiate between the characters, you've got Massimo. Strong performance I choice. I lost, baby girl. Whereas Adrian's like... <laughs> it's a lot of that. It's a lot a lot of that was his that was his way of differentiating between the brothers because it mm. is the same actor. To, I'm going to shock you. It is the same actor playing. Both. I should hope so. And frankly, yeah. I, I, for me, the only reason to go down this path is if you're going to do a threesome with both Massimos. But you they say they didn't have the budget. Nah. Honestly, if they're making another sequel, I think they no, set there up is. a GoFundMe. Because... No, no, there's a third because there's three books and it centers around. So let me tell you what happens, right? Mm. Okay. So basically, Massimo figures it all out. Mm. But Nacho's family is an opposing mob family and they've now got Laura. So Massimo's mob family has to meet up with Nacho's mob family and they have to agree to a handover of the woman. And then, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. They hand her over to what they think is Massimo's bodyguards. Oh, no. But guess whose bodyguards it actually is? Evil twins. Yes. Oh, my God. So then evil twin Adriano's fucking got Laura and the, and the ex-wife's there too in this amazing beige, all-in-one bodysuit, knee-high black boots, just pointing a gun. Like, no one can mm. get away with that bodysuit. Hats off, bitch. Mm. So then Massimo and Nacho now are forced to work together oh, as hot... To save the woman they ...mortal enemies. Correct. Well, I will accept a threesome that involves the two of them as well, if, which I presume is more in the budget. Well, the film ends on her being dead again. Like the first film. I don't think she really is, but... I suspect not. She's having a bad run in ending. What, was there a hail of gunfire or something yeah, like so that? It's not a happy ending. Yeah, so much gunfire. Well, no, so they was... could only afford three bullets, clearly. <laughs> only three were shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot you with my gun. I'm going to shoot you dead. But maybe in your shoulder so there can be another film. Yeah, you're not dead. Are you dead? I don't know. Did he pull out Are You Lost, Baby Girl? No. Nah. He called he her Baby Girl a lot, though. This is the life, baby girl. She spends so much time being pissed off at the lack of, like, you know, quality man-wife stuff. But, like, what did she expect marrying into the mafia? 
If you put a parachute, what you expect marrying someone who kidnaps yeah. you and imprisons you? Like, what did she think they were going to, like, he does a nine to five and then going to have dinner every night and go away <laughs> on the weekends? I mean, mafia work waits for no one. Women today. Oh, my God. Get your expectations in check. Anyway, I give it one out of a hundred. Loved it. Would recommend. Fuck, the moment they reveal the evil twin, I, I nearly know. lost my bladder. That would be amazing. I'm really sad I miss it. Also, to bring in the ex-wife, it was more loaded. Oh. I just, did she at least, did the ex-wife come in and look at Massimo and say, yes. are you lost, baby boy? Oh, no. Oh, no, what a was, missed opportunity. Yeah, no, she's, nah, there's none of that. But I just, I mean, it was so bad, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be back again. I will. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. And to be clear, mm. No full frontal penis, no. even though we're in the year of full frontal no. penis. No full frontal penis. Mm. No, uh, uh, uh. But I suspect because there's one more, and as you said, Netflix has dropped a lot of shares. I think they're going to have the <laughs> moment of interest. <laughs> and I think there's going to be a, a song's going to start. He's going to unfurl his cock. You've waited to film, and now it's what we're going to. We can't wait to see the cock, 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 cock. And then cock. Like, I think... I think there's going to be some so- – I mean, I would like to put forward a few ideas, but I'm sure there will be, because they love a montage, there's mm. going to definitely be a full frontal pain oh. montage. Maybe- I mean, it's basically the global economy now rests on this actor's <laughs> willingness and that we will accept a prosthetic. Or I would accept one grown on his arm for six totally. years. <laughs> <laughs> but you would just ask that they go a little bit more than the six I would six have to inches. speed the montage up. It would have to be totally. like time-lapse or something. That's right. Time-lapse on the dick. <laughs> Oh, we've got Duva. We've got, we've got. Oh, I just, was worried. You brought I it was, home. I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> I was the whole time I'm watching, I'm going, how are we going to top the first one? And then when Evil Twin was, I'm like, fucking thank you. Baby Jesus on a cloud in heaven wearing a string of pearls. Like, <laughs> fucking yes, there's an Evil Twin. And mesh knickers. <laughs> I'm not wearing any panties. Oh, my goodness. Is that? Is that a leaf blower? What the fuck? <laughs> All right, we're ending it. Sorry. We we're going to talk about Met Gala. Oh, it stopped. It hurt you. Oh. No, no it hasn't stopped. It's back right, on. We're wrapping up. So, <laughs> look, if you're not going off to watch 365D9, just consider us director's commentary, I think. Maybe. That's right. Yeah. It's your Bible to the next episode. And I think we've given you the tools you need to watch it in super fast mode as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I'm so glad that you told me about the Evil Twin because I did watch it that way and, of course, I didn't realise that I was looking at two different characters. <laughs> yeah, look for the... <laughs> it's a dead giveaway. Oh, that leaf is going to kill me. It's That's cursing me. Heath Ledger in his Oscar-winning role as the Joker went for a lot of le- oh, uh, licking. I think you'll find Michael Morone, Michele Morone <laughs> is definitely filtering a bit of the Joker in this performance. For sure. He's like, I might get an Oscar for this. <laughs> I mean, he's gone full in. He's playing two people. It, it's happened before. Oh, it absolutely has. He could be nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. He could. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that leaf up. I'm going to go out. I'm going to end that, Fez. And I can't believe it's followed me here. All right, uh, have a good week. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. This is Emsolation. Well... I know, you're off tonight. Look, I just want to really reassure you all, it's still sexy. Like, if you're still a thirsty middle-aged woman or gay man, you're still going to get a little tingle. Like, the, the moment that he rips the garters off and launches at her on the night of their honeymoon, I got a little thrill. Don't worry. Like, while we made fun of a lot of the movie, I still, like, like it's still, it still does its job. Don't worry about that. You'll still, like, you'll still feel alive while you're watching it. But now you've had our commentary... It's just gonna, we're going to give you a heightened experience. You're welcome. You're welcome, insulators. 
All right, uh, I'm off now. We'll be back next week. I'll be in fever pitch because it is two days before I leave for the tour. Don't forget to be following Emsolation on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. Make sure you've signed up for the newsletter. So important. All the sign-up details are at our Instagram. That's all from me. Have a great week. Oh, before I go, I went to see a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once and um, it's almost the perfect movie. I don't say that lightly. Five out of five from me. It is a kung fu absurdist story of an immigrant family. It's mother-daughter dynamics. It's just everything. Yep, I know what that sentence sounds like. It's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and Looking for Alibrandi, except with Chinese, Americans, not Italian, Australians. It's Tron. It's Matrix. It's scenes with rocks when you see it. I cried because the rocks reminded me of Marcella and I. Go and see it. I mean, it's a very... I feel like you'll all get it. And it's also a love letter to neurodiverse people because one of the characters talks about feeling everything everywhere all at once and that's how I feel. Sometimes I feel like the layer between me and the world is thinner than other people's. So I just, I really loved it. I highly recommend it, but it's bonkers. There's a whole scene where two characters fight with butt plugs hanging out of them and they do a full kung fu and I want you to think of me. Think of me when you see the dick arm documentary. Think of me when someone's sitting over a golf hole. And think of me when you see the butt plug fight scene in Everything Everywhere All at Once. This podcast is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay, I'm out. Have a great week. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios. Hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by James Henderson. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus, a Occasional off-a-shelf installs and flat-pack wrangling from M's Dad Vincy. Get more Emsolation by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. And please take the time to share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by hitting the follow button. Thanks again for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Bye.